Limpet has declared an interest in me. Will you move? He's offering me a place in the world. Just make sure you're in the world, not of the world. There will be no escape from power once I have it. I would have to see things through. So why wouldn't you? Are you contemplating a life of solitude? Wilbur, you have work to do. Besides, people like you too much to let you live a life of solitude. Haven't you chosen solitude? You of all people should know I can never be alone. There now. There now what? The other reason I came. You told me that you live in the company of 20,000 ghosts, the ghosts of slaves. I was explaining to a child why a grown man cowers in a dark corner. I need you to tell me about them. I'm not strong enough to hear my own confession. I thought time might have changed you. It has. I'm older. Pitt has asked me to take them on. The slavers. I'm the last person you should come to for advice. I can't even say the name of any of my ships without being back on board them in my head. All I know is 20,000 slaves live with me in this little church. There's still blood on my hands. Will you help me, John? I can't help you. But do it, Wilbur. Do it. Take them on. Blow their dirty, filthy ships out of the water. The planters, sugar barons, Haldeman Sugarcane, the Lord Mayor of London, Liverpool, Boston, Bristol, New York, all their streets running with blood, dysentery, puke. You won't come away from those streets clean, Wilbur. You'll get filthy with it, you'll dream it, see it in broad daylight, but do it, for God's sake. Force and his slavery in, in England, and his pastor, the man he was talking to, wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, It Saves a Wretch Like Me. Wilberforce was a man who was willing to take risks. He fought against slavery. When everyone was against him, he fought against it. He took a risk. This morning, we're starting a new series called Risky Business. And if we're going to bring about the kind of change that we've been talking about over the past few months, talking about change, bringing about change in our lives, we're going to have to take some risks. There's no way to bring about the change we want to see unless we take some risks. That's what we're going to be talking about, being risk takers. 
Are you a risk taker? Are you a person who's willing to take risks in your life? Or are you a person who really seeks security? You don't, you don't want to go out and do that. So you're more of a security seeker. You know, some people are just natural born risk takers. They, they just love it. They get that rush of adrenaline and the, and the intensity, that desire of feeling of breaking free from the ordinary, stepping outside of the lines. And they just love it. They're risk takers. But most people are not risk takers. Most people really enjoy their nice, secure lives. That's what they want. Christians, non-Christians, they want that nice, secure life. They are completely focused and they're committed to playing it safe. But in Matthew chapter 25, and if you would, it just really quickly, um, one of the things about having the, the scripture up on the screen is that about 15 years ago, this was novel. And, you know, everybody had their Bibles at church, and they looked up things in their Bibles. And this was just a convenient way to kind of throw it up there for folks who maybe didn't bring them th that day or whatever. What's happened over the 15 years since then or so is that people don't know their way around the Bibles anymore because they depend on the screens. So here's what we're going to do. There are Bibles. There are three tables in the back. Every Sunday, those tables will have Bibles. If you forget your Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can take one, and it belongs to you. Um, but uh, if you, you don't have a Bible, you come in, take one, uh, you can use that and then put it back after the service is over because I just want to encourage people to get used to kind of flipping through their Bibles again as well as looking at the screens, but we need to know where things are found. It, we, we talk about people who are not risk takers. They're really committed to, to playing it safe. But then if you read in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, you, you find Jesus encouraging his people to take risks. He's encouraging them to take risks. Let me read it to you. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14, the parable of the talents. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the, the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master uh, of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the, other, uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, investing, uh, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has been given will be given more. And he who, has, have, he who has will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. God expects us, Jesus Christ expects us to be risk takers. Notice who Jesus commends here. He commends the guy who goes out, the, the men who go out, and they double their money. That's who he's commending. They went out and took a risk. They doubled their money. That's who he's commending. That's who he's encouraging. Now, think about this. If, if you have an investment where you can double your money without a risk, I would like to know about it, please. After the service, come to me. And please tell, and tell the rest of us, too. Probably took, a lot of people took a bath in the last year and a half. Please tell the rest of us how you doubled your money, okay, and didn't take any risk. It doesn't happen. Even in the commercials, read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Because it's risky. To double your money over a period of time is risky. But they were willing to take that risk, and Jesus commended them for stepping out and doing that. Jesus is making it absolutely positively clear here that if we want to follow him, we need to embrace a, a, a lifestyle of risk, of adventure, of action. He wants his people to take action, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Jesus is saying, I want to commend you. I want to encourage you. As a matter of fact, I expect you to be risk takers, not foolish risk takers, but risk takers. Think about it. If you were following Jesus Christ when he was here on earth, where would he have led you? Think about that for a second. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. We're followers of Jesus Christ right now. But you're a follower of Jesus when he was walking the earth. Where would he have led you? Walking on water? Pretty risky. He would have led you to things that were risky. I mean, think about it. Read your Bible, and if you read through the New Testament, every time Jesus turns around, they picked up stones to stone him. He's leading you into stoning situations. It's a crucifixion. Jesus is leading us into risky situations. Stepping out in faith, he challenges us to move mountains, to step out in faith. It takes a risk when you want to move a mountain. It takes a risk if you're going to start a new ministry or an organization, or you're going to step out and share the love of Christ with someone. Those are risky things. Jesus is saying you need to take risks. Why do you think it's any different today? Why would you think it's any different today than it was when Jesus was walking the earth? It's not any different in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it says this, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to walk as Jesus did. Then he set the example. We need to pick up our cross and follow him daily and follow him. We need to take risks for him daily. Our lives should be, we should be risk takers Stepping out in faith and following Jesus Christ. I can assure you that if you are walking with Jesus Christ, then he expects you to be a risk taker. I can assure you of that. If you're walking with Jesus Christ, you're going to walk into risky situations. There's no doubt about it. And my goodness, we have our missionaries in Nigeria. And anybody been following the news in Joss, Nigeria? Four or five hundred people being killed right in the area where our people are. We have, we have our missionaries there. This is risky. 
Following Jesus Christ into different parts of the world is risky. Being a missionary in Mexico is risky. Being a missionary in India is risky. Being a missionary anywhere in the world, my goodness, walking out your door almost is getting to be risky. But people, are the followers of Jesus Christ are willing to take those risks. God is, God, God is going to lead us into risky situations. We need to take a stand for him. Two of these servants put their money to work and they took the risk. One, the one talent guy, he buries his. He takes no risk at all. He gets, he gets his one talent, he digs a hole, he puts it in the hole, he buries it, sits around, minds his own business, wastes his time, sits around being lazy. The master comes back, here's your, here's your talent back. He took no risk. He took no risk at all. And the Lord confronts him for being overly cautious, for being lazy, for not, for not stepping out in faith for not taking any kind of risk, learning to take proper risks with our money and with other areas of our lives, maybe one of the most difficult but necessary lessons that safety-minded Christians need to learn. What does it mean to risk yourself financially? What does it mean to risk your life in other areas of your life? Just taking risks, things that you're afraid of. Remember a couple weeks ago, I asked who was afraid of public speaking. About half the room raised their hand. We had a couple people come up. They took a risk to come up here and just say their name and that they're afraid of public speaking. They took a risk. That's what the Christian life is about. It's about stepping out and becoming more than you thought you could be. It's about taking risks with your life and watching God move. If you never take a risk, how can you expect to see God do amazing things in your life? People walk around and say, people will try Christianity and say, it didn't work for me or it's boring. Christianity's not boring. God is not boring. You're boring. I hate to break, I'm just being honest. You read the Bible. Tell me, tell me if living this life is boring. Anything but. Anything but. God wants us to step out, and he wants us to take those risks. One of the lessons I think we can learn from this parable, one of the big lessons that we can learn, is that God expects all of us, every single one of us, to be kingdom builders. Every single one of us to, to further the cause of Jesus Christ, to use and the gifts and talents and treasures and abilities that he has given us to further the cause of Jesus Christ. That means if you're a writer, write for him. You don't have to write all stories about God, but use the gifts and talents that God has given you as a writer to write for him, write for his glory, to his glory. Tell stories that are uplifting and, and passionate and, 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 and adventurous, but do it for his glory. If you're a writer, write for him. If you're a singer, sing for him. If you're a musician, play for him. If you're a carpenter or a contractor, build for him. If you're a teacher, then teach for him. If you're a person with wealth, then use your wealth for him. If you're an athlete, then perform for him. Perform when you go out on that track, when you go out on that field, when you go out and do in the, on the court, do it for the glory of God. Do it to the glory of God, to the praise of God. I love this clip from Chariots of Fire. It says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck, Jackson Shores.
So where does the power come from to see the race to its end from within? God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. talk about a man who stood up for his principles, who was willing to take risks. They were, in the race he was supposed to run, it was supposed to be held on a Sunday. He didn't want to break the Sabbath, so he wouldn't run on a Sunday. And he was under enormous pressure from his country in England to run, and he refused to run on a Sunday. His friend gave up his spot, I think in the 400, to allow him to run in that. It wasn't his race, but he ran and won anyway. He ran to the glory of God. When he would run, he would worship God as he ran. And I'll tell you something, Chariots of Fire, very inspiring movie. That is nothing compared to what happened after that. He ended up dying as a missionary in a, in a concentration camp in China, giving his life for Jesus Christ. He was a man who would take risks. He was willing to risk it all for Jesus Christ, to give his life for Jesus Christ. What kind of person are you? What kind of person am I? What talents has God given me or given you? Where are you using your gifts and talents for God? Are you willing to take risks for him? Are you taking risks for him? Are you using your talents for him? When you do whatever you do at work, when you're at work, are you working to the glory of God? Working not as unto men, but unto God. Are you giving it all to him wherever you are in school, at work? Are we giving him the glory for everything that we are? We need to be risk takers. Some of you are. Some of you want more out of your life. You want more responsibility. You want more opportunity. You want to give more to God all the time. Scripture often warns us about being people, about, about money, being, being people who are greedy and those kinds of things, about, about the, the dangers of money. But here in this parable, the people who doubled their money, the people who took the risks to double their money, took the risks for God, in a sense, to do that. They're the heroes, not the villains. Those who are willing to take risks, those who are willing to take risks with their resources, would take risks with their finances, those are the ones who are the heroes, not the villains. God entrusted you with gifts and resources, my friends. Everything you had, God, ha God has given you, not to hoard it for yourself, but to use it to use it to have the greatest impact in this world for the glory of God. That's why he's given you what you have, your gifts, your talents, your treasures, all of it is to be for the glory of God. Whatever you do, you run when you run. I love that scene where he just is, his head is up, probably the, the, not the best way to run if you're thinking about technical ability, but my goodness, unbelievable to see a person worshiping God as they're using the God-given gifts, talents, and abilities that they have. 
God has entrusted us with those resources. We need to use them for his glory. And I'm sure that the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, they didn't run out and take stupid risks. They didn't run out and just do dopey things with, with that money. They took calculated risks. They looked, at, they looked at the situation as they faced it, and they were willing to take calculated risks. God doesn't want us to be fools. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to step out in Him. And when He calls us to do something, we should step out and do it, not foolishly, but with wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment, that's what God has given us. Our call as believers is to seek and save the lost. It is to, is to fight injustice in our world, to take care of the orphan and widow in their distress. But how are we going to do that if we're not willing to take any chances, if we're not willing to take any risks? How are we going to fulfill what God has clearly called every single one of us to do if we are not willing to take any risks you know, the risk to have the conversation with your, about Jesus Christ with your coworker or your relatives or your friends at school, the risk to step out and have that difficult conversation. Maybe you feel uncomfortable. What are they going to say about you? What are, you know, how, how is it going to make you feel? Are you going to be ostracized if you start talking about Christ with people that maybe, you know, don't know him very well? We need to take those risks. We need to step out in faith and take those risks. My friends, each one of us needs to be willing to go out on the limb because that's where the fruit is. We need to be willing to go out on the limb, not be afraid that it's going to break behind us, not fear those things because God, as we step out, God is going to use us in powerful ways. God is going to move in our lives in powerful ways. Again, how can we expect to see a powerful movement of God in our lives and in our church if we are not willing to step out and take chances? It is risky for a church to launch, to launch out into the world and try to change the world. But that's why the church was created. That's what the church was created for, to step out and make a difference in the world. Jesus Christ built the church as an act of war, as a fortress against evil. That's what we're here for, to stand up against un in the injustices of the world, to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves, to take care of the orphan and widow, to take care of those who, who don't know Christ, to reach out and love them into the kingdom of God. That's what God has called us to do. The church needs to be that fortress. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says this, be on your guard, be on your guard. Listen to these words, stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage, be people of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Do it all in love. We can fight. We can stand for Christ. We can, we can be, we have courage. We can be warriors, but we need to do it all in love. We need to do it all the way Jesus did it. The church must stand against all forces that come against Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We are his body. We need to stand up Take a stand for Jesus Christ. And wherever we find the, the enemy coming in and trying to undermine or disrupt, the Bible says that we need to stand up for Jesus Christ, but do it in love. Do it in love. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, it says this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. We can be strong, we can be bold, we can be powerful for Jesus Christ, but we need to do it in love. We need to overcome evil 
with good. The church was created to take risks, and we are the church. This building, this property, the building behind us, that's not the church. We're the church. This building can't take any risks. We are the church, and we were created to be risk takers. And it kills me sometimes to listen to Christians talk in the 21st century. They are defending so many times a secular worldview without even knowing it, and they think that they're somehow being radical and bold. I'm going, to stand, I'm going to stand up for this. I'm going to stand up for that. And they think they're somehow being radical and bold because they're standing up against the church or they're not doing what God would want because it, 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 it blows my mind sometimes to listen to it. What's so radical? I don't understand. Someone has to explain to me what is so radical and bold about standing up and going along with the establishment. We are not the majority, we're the minority. Those who are true followers of Jesus Christ and who believe the word of God to be true and follow it are not the majority in this country, we're the minority. So how is it so bold and radical to stand up against the word of God and take on the responsibility of standing up for a secular worldview? The culture tells you what to believe and what to stand up for and you just go right along with them. We just, we just scoot right along with them. It's weak and it's cowardly. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to be bold, we're to be strong, we're to stand up for what it's right. And my friends, that is weak and cowardly. You're not standing up for something, you're being intimidated and you're going along. Whichever way the wind blows, whichever way the culture blows, you're just being intimidated by them constantly through all kinds of media and all kinds of influence, and you're just getting intimidated and going along. How is it so radical if you agree with what all your friends agree with? How is, how is that so bold and radical for you? You agree with their view on sex. You agree with their view on abortion. You agree with their view on basically whatever social issue they try to intimidate you with and you just kind of go along. Whatever the new thing that comes along that the society pushes on you and you just kind of go along with it. I don't understand how that's being radical and how that's being bold. Jesus Christ stood up for what was right. He stood up for the things of God. He died for the things of God. He gave his life for the things of God. That, my friends, is radical. And Jesus Christ calls us to follow along with him. We need to be risk takers. What are you willing to give your life for? What are you willing to risk your life for? Jesus Christ stood up for the things of God. He stood up for truth. The word of God is is true and accurate. And the men and women of the Bible stood up for the things of God and were willing to risk their lives for it. We have to ask ourselves this morning, I know it's Mason, Ohio. I know we're coming to church on a Sunday morning, but this is what it is all about, my friends. This is no game we're playing here. And God is calling us in the 21st century to stand up for him the same way they stood up for him in the word of God 2,000 years ago or before. We need to live for him. What are you willing to risk your life for? And being, going against the word of God and going along with culture is not bold, it's not radical, it's not brave. It's just going along with what everybody else thinks. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, it reminds us of three men who stood up and stood out for God. He stood for the truth of God's word. Daniel 3, 18 through, listen to this, 3, 13 through 18. I want to read this. You may have read it before, but listen to the words here because it applies to us. Furious with rage, all the pressure, all the, all the intense pressure they were under. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, listen, 
Is it true? Is it true? He says. Is it true, Shadrach by name, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? In other words, is it true you're not going along with everyone else in school, at work, your neighborhood, your clubs, or wherever else? Is it true that you're, you're not going along with everyone else? Now, he says, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute, and the zither and the harp and the, and the lyre and the pipes and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. If you all go along, very good, very good. Good for you, pat you on the head, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. In other words, if you don't go along, I'm going to make your life a living hell in school, at work, wherever you are. I'm going to put pressure on you. I'll pass laws. I'll do whatever. But you are going to be, I'm going to throw you into the blazing furnace. Then what? Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, ooh, we're really scared. Yeah, oh, we're shaking in our boots. Because the king has forced us, the culture is forcing us to bow down. He said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, there's a risk. There's a risk. Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We won't do it. Remember Esther? Love Esther. You got Esther, Mordecai says, Esther, you need to go before Xerxes. You need, to, you need to go before the king, but that was against the law. To go before the king, you're dead. If you go before the, before the king without being summoned, even if he's your, you're his wife, you're a dead person. So go before the king for Esther, even though she was his wife, that meant a death sentence. That was a death sentence for her. And what does she say? Even though it's against the law, even if, against, if it's against the law, I'm going to do it. And she says this, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to take a risk for God. I'm going to do what I believe God is calling me to do. And if I perish, I perish. Living for God is risky business. Living for God, whether it was then or now, my friends, if you're truly living for him and standing up for him, it is risky business. The church was not created to bow down to the cultural pressures of this world, but to stand up no matter what the cost, to stand up and stand for God regardless of the outcome, regardless of the consequences. I don't care how old or young you are here this morning. It doesn't matter. God is calling you to be that one person, maybe in your group, to be that one person at work, to be that one person wherever you are who is not going to be gutless, who is willing to stand up under all the pressure. When everyone else is agreeing on something, you don't have to hide in a corner. Stand up and speak the truth. Don't be obnoxious, don't be judgmental, don't be nasty, but speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. That's what God calls us to do. You know, the Declaration of Independence, when the Declaration of Independence was signed by those 56 men, they, you got to understand, they knew they were taking an awesome risk to sign that. Imagine being one of those people. You're going to sign the Declaration of Independence. Put your name down there. That could have been a death sentence, putting your name on that piece of paper. 
They knew they were taking an awesome risk, but they believed they were right. They believed they were right, and they pledged their lives. Listen, they pledged their lives. They pledged their wealth. They pledged their, their sacred honor. They pledged it all. They gave it all to what they believed was right and true. They stood up, and they were willing to take risks. They believed in something. Sometimes good people need to answer the bully. Sometimes there are times in history, and we may be in one right now, but sometimes good people need to answer the bully. They need to respond in some way. One of my favorite movies, don't be judging me now, is Braveheart, okay? I just, I'm a guy, I'm sorry, I love Braveheart. In Braveheart, there's a scene in Braveheart where he just gives that amazing speech, you know, and all these years from now, if you could get one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell enemies that they can take our lives, but they cannot take our freedom. And then, then the, the lords go out there, you know, and they're going to they're gonna barter. They're going to start bartering and, and making deals with the English, and I'll give you castles and this and this and this, and you just bow down. You just bow down, you know, and they're going to go out there and bow down. And when they're riding out there, Braveheart says to his guys, just be yourselves. And they say, well, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to pick a fight. And they said, well, at least we didn't get dressed up for nothing. You know what I mean? I'm going to pick a fight. Sometimes, sometimes good people have to answer the bully. They have to stand up for what they know to be right. They need to pick a fight. Now, I'm not saying grab a sword and go hurting anybody. I'm saying in the way God would call us to do it, in love, we need to stand up for what's right, regardless of what those around us, regardless of what our culture tells us to do, tries to force us to do. If you think because you live in America that you are exempt, that you no longer have to worry about making any tough decisions, you better think again. This is not your father or grandfather's America, your grandmother or your mother's America. This is a different, this place is, we are changing, our country is changing, and every single person here, whether it's verbally or in your hearts, is going to have to make choices. We're going to have to make choices. We have to decide, God, what do you want us to do? Let me ask you, is there anything, is there anything in your life important enough that you would risk your wealth, your fortune, your sacred honor? Is there anything in your life that you would be willing to risk all of that? My friends, unless you stand for something, unless I stand for something, we will fall for anything and be remembered for nothing. That goes for us as individuals and as a church. Unless we stand for Christ, unless we stand for something, we will fall for anything, whatever comes along, and we will be remembered individually and as a body for nothing. The next generation will wonder, what do we bother doing here? What, what, what exactly did we do with our lives? How did we stand up for Jesus Christ? In the midst of all that's going on around us in a culture that is coming down us, how did we stand up and serve Jesus Christ? We are facing some of the most difficult challenges in our country's history. We are facing social issues and economic issues and political issues and moral issues. Right now, we are going to have to make choices. In that arena, in the moral arena, in the political arena, in all these arenas, we as believers in Jesus Christ are going to have to make choices. What are you going to stand for? Will you, will you be intimidated? Are you, going to be, are you going to stand for political correctness? Or are you going to stand for Jesus Christ? 
Are you going to stand for Jesus Christ? When Are you just going to be politically correct and kind of go along with the flow? I'm not, being a, I'm not Republican, Democrat, Independent. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being a believer in Jesus Christ. Are you going to be politically correct or are you going to stand for Jesus Christ? When they try to intimidate you and tell you that you're too closed-minded, are you just going to crumble? When they, when, they, when, they, when, they, when they try to force you, when they try to force you to be tolerant of whatever they deem to be right, when the, whatever, whichever the wind blows or what's the flavor of the month, when they try to force you to be tolerant of whatever they deem to be right, are you just going to bow down to whatever idol they put up? And whatever they tell you, when they intimidate, when they intellectually try to intimidate you in school, when they try to intimidate you at work, when they try to intimidate you wherever you are, are you just going to bow down? See, are we just going to just go along? We need to stand for Jesus Christ. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, should not succumb to that kind of pressure. We need to stand for Jesus Christ. See, the fear of being different or the fear of being rejected makes cowards out of so many. We're so afraid that we're not going to be able to be in, you know, someone's going to ostracize us here. Or some, that may happen. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. But you know what? Do you know what? It doesn't matter because you have to look at yourself in the mirror. I have to look at myself in the mirror. I have to read the word of God and know that I'm either a follower of Jesus Christ or I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, that I am going to be one of those people who either shrink back or I stand up. Who are you going to be in your life? Are you gonna be counted with those who shrink back or are you gonna be counted with those who stand up and defend the cause of Jesus Christ? Life is risky. Life is risky, and the Christian life even more so. It is risky. We've had 68 people come to Christ in the last three months here at Grace Chapel. 68 people. And I want to I say to those 68 people, never listen to anyone within the church who tells you that Jesus Christ is a little house cat. A little pussy cat. That he meows. Don't let them paint a picture of Jesus as, as some kind of little tame kitten or cat because Jesus Christ is a roaring lion. Jesus Christ is a roaring lion. He was raised from the dead. Jesus Christ is all-powerful, and Jesus Christ lives in us, and the power of the resurrection lives in us. Do not let anyone in the church tell you or water down the power of God and the power of Jesus Christ. Paint any kind of picture that looks like anything else but Jesus Christ being who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a roaring lion, and we are his followers, and we need to be like him. We need to stand up and defend the defenseless, stand up for what is right and true. And this determines what is right and true, nothing else. This determines what we stand on and nothing else. This is what we hold to and nothing else. We need to stand. We need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. And we need to, from the youngest to the oldest, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because the one thing you can always remember as you go through school, you stood for what was right. And I'm going to tell you, people will respect you for it. They will respect you. And more than that, you can respect yourself. You can respect who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. I love this quote from Helen Keller. I love Helen Keller. Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger 
is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. My friends, there's a method to my madness why we talked about change and now why we're talking about risky business because in the future, the next series coming after this one is going to be on vision. And I'm going to unleash some things on you. I'm going to share some things with you that we're going to be stepping out and doing that will, that will frighten you, that will overwhelm you, make your hair stand on the back of your neck. And if we are not changed people from within, if we're not changing from the inside out, and as we're changing... If we are not people willing to take risks, we're not going to do anything foolish. We're not going to do anything that's opposed to our vision or opposed to any. We are going to step out and make a difference in this world. And we need to understand if that's going to happen, we need to be risk takers. Whatever that means for you, I'm not asking anyone to go out and do anything foolish. But whatever it means for you, you need to be a risk taker. In order for us to fulfill the vision that God has called us to, to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose, we need to be risk takers. That's all there is to it. So get ready. Be prepared. Because God is calling us to live an adventure, to live a true adventure. What risks are you willing to take? Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the question, but I want you to write it down. You got a piece of paper and an envelope when you came in. Pull those out. Take those out. I want you to write down what risk you're willing to take. Write down a risk or a couple risks that you're willing to take. Are you willing to share the gospel with someone that you've been thinking about, but you know, you just don't know how to bring it up. You're just a little, gosh, this, what if this person thinks this or whatever? That's a risk. The risk of getting involved. You know, yeah, you come to church, and but you're not getting involved. You're not engaging. You're not, you're, not, you're not stepping out and taking a risk and building relationships. That's a risk. Maybe it's speaking the truth in love. Maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's saying yes, or maybe it's saying no to something. That's risky to say no. It's risky to say yes. Write that down. Write it, whatever it is for you, write it down. Write down something that you're going to do. What risk are you going to take? I am going to take this risk. Just write it down. There's pens on the back tables. If, in the back, if you don't have a pen, be free, feel free to get up and go grab one. No problem. Just write that down. What risk am I willing to take? As you're writing that down, when you're finished, I want you to put your name and your address on that envelope. On the outside of the envelope, write that down. Write your name and address down there because I'm going to, in two months, mail this to you to encourage you to follow through with what you said you would do. So write down, what am I going to risk? Fill out the envelope. Fold it up, stick it in the envelope, and then when you go out this morning at the Welcome Center, leave it at the Welcome Center. Leave, it, leave, your, leave your envelope there. If I made you a little nervous this morning, good. Good, good. We need to be a little on edge. We need to be a little nervous. We need to be a little apprehensive for what God is going to be calling us to do. You cannot become the person that God created you to be 
unless you're willing to take risks. You will never see the power of God unleashed in your life and the lives of others unless you're willing to take risks. You will never grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will never grow beyond what you are today unless you're willing to take risks. But we can take them together. We can support each other. We can encourage each other. We can help each other in those risky areas of our lives. Write that down. Fill out the envelope. I'm going to bow and we're going to pray right now. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, we know that without you, taking a risk sometimes can be just foolish. It's foolishness. So we pray that you would be with every single one of us individually and then as a body. That you would help us, Lord God, for all the things that were written down. Help us to accomplish that. Help us, give us the strength through the power of your spirit, through the power of your resurrection. Give us the strength to act upon what we've written down. Even in the first service, Lord, you did some amazing things immediately. And so, God, we want that to happen in our lives, even this morning as we've written these things down, if we, as we've committed to them, maybe even answer these prayers and answer these responses even this morning, Lord, today. But whatever time it takes, Lord, give us the strength that we need to be the risk takers that you've called us to be. We'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory for what we know you're going to do in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Can I tell you one more quick story? One more fast story. Someone came to me after the first service and they said, I really want to, wanted to go on this trip, this missions trip. And I, w- I wasn't sure if I could afford it, but I knew there were others who were in the same situation I was in. So God spoke to my heart and said, give this other person $100 to be able to go on the trip. And trust me, give them $100. So they wrote a check and gave it to someone else who needed to go on the trip and said, here's $100 for you. Just, I felt God speaking to me. Moments later, someone walked up without them knowing they had done that, walked up to that person and gave them a check for $100 and said, God was just um, speaking to my heart and I feel like I just want to give you a check for your trip. I knew you were, and gave them a check for $100. Now, don't take that as give money here and you're going to get more money. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about how God can move quickly when we take risks, that God speaks to us. God wants us to do this because when we do it, we see him come alive. We see him come alive in our lives. So go out, take some risks, and I'll see you on Wednesday night at 6, uh, 6.30.